This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. So we all, we all love an invitation, right? So what I mean by that is you get an invite to a party, you get an invite to an event, you get an invite um, to maybe um, some, some happening, but here's what's behind the invite. Someone is thinking about you, right? So, and they want you to be a part of this party, this event, this whatever, whatever it is. And so it's kind of an honor to receive an invite like that. I think you would probably agree with that. And we all receive those, right? And they, they, look, they look a little different. So my, my um, third grandchild, who is my grand, uh, second granddaughter, received an invite. So um, she's a junior in high school. And this past week, she was out to dinner with friends. It was a birthday dinner. It was her birthday. And so they went to this restaurant where they prepared the food in front of you, that type of a thing. And they were told that they had to... Um, um, order off of the regular menu. So um, I just know her, her meal was $24. And so, you know, for a junior, it was, it was kind of stretching the budget, but hey, they had to do what they had to do. And so she ordered this meal. And um, after they were all done, um, the waiter brought back the bills to everyone. And she opened up her bill and it said, and it was zero. With a note says, shh, don't tell anybody, but I'm your waiter and I paid for your meal. Would you leave me your phone number? <laughs> so it was the invite, right? So uh, now I'm thinking, she didn't do this, but she, I, if she would have called me and said, Papa, what do I do? My answer, order dessert. You know, I mean, <laughs> why would you? Now, so... <laughs> So here's what she did with that invite. She just left a note back to the waiter. Thank you. And walked out. And I, there you go right there. So that, those come our way, don't they? But I want to talk to you about an invitation today that, that comes our way. And I, to every one of us really in, in life, in some form or another, and you go like, why are you calling it an invite? And I think that, that you'll see why in just, just a moment. But it's this invite into suffering. You're like, okay, and so I came to church to hear that because I think that we are all invited into suffering in some form or fashion. We're going to look at that for just a little bit this morning. Um, this is what Paul invites Timothy into. So we're, we're there um, in, in 2 Timothy. I know many of you um, have, been, have been reading through 2 Timothy. I just invite you to keep, to keep doing that. Go through it slow. It's a short letter, right? Four, four chapters. And just the context as we, just by way of reminder, it's, it's Paul writing to Timothy, um, his beloved son in the faith. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. And it was shortly before his own death. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy, encouraging him in some things that we talked about last, last week. Timothy, you have to stand on this strong foundation of God's Word. Don't let people chip away at that. That was last week. If you missed it, I just encourage you to go back and, and catch a listen. But he's inviting Timothy uh, into sharing suffering with him. We're going to see that in, in, here in just, just a moment. And I called it invite for this reason, because all of us have the opportunity when this invitation comes our way, um, suffering, whatever it looks like, we'll talk about some ways in a moment, um, we have an 
we have an opportunity to respond. And how we respond is absolutely critical. So let's take a read here um, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And here's the invite, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed, a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer. Everybody say suffer, as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I, I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. For Paul, it was all about the gospel. And this invitation for Timothy to share in the suffering was all about the gospel. Now, I just want to take a little bit of a sidebar here because I think it's something worthy of noting that Paul says this, his reference to being a prisoner, um, nor of me, his prisoner. See, Paul, Paul was in a, in a Roman prison. But here's the deal. Lest anyone be confused, he was a prisoner for the sake of Christ. It was about advancing the gospel. I might be sitting in this man-made prison here. That may be where I be. I, I may not have all the freedoms that I've enjoyed in life, but I just want you to know um, I'm his prisoner. I'm in here for the sake of the gospel, advancing the gospel. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, as preach in my gospel for which I am suffering, Bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Do you love that? Here, here's what that's saying to you and to me. Look, there may be things going on in my life. There may be suffering of, of some sort, but the word of God is not bound as I live out the gospel in my life. That's what the gospel life that we're going to be heading into is, is, is all about. There was a joy in the suffering Paul was experiencing. And he captures that in his Philippian, uh, Philippi experience of, of being in, in jail during a second missionary journey. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, or what's taken place, the suffering, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Every circumstance, every situation, every moment of his life was for Christ. And so here's my question for us this morning that we're just kind of going to toss around a little bit. What if our own suffering became an opportunity to advance the gospel? What if we accepted that invitation? Whatever your suffering may look like right, right now. Now, I get that not all of us are maybe in that place, but here's the good news. You will be, because that's life, right? That's like what? What if we begin to see our own suffering as an opportunity to advance the gospel? Early in my um, uh, career as doing what I do as a, as a pastor, Jim and I were making a home visit. 
And we went to this, this lady's home to encourage her. She was very ill. And it was one of those things where you go to encourage, and you know what happens, right? You walk away going like, I want some of that right there. And her name was Elaine, and she was suffering with, severely with rheumatoid arthritis. And, um, you, you know, I, I think if you, if you know what, that's, that's painful, right? That's debilitating. It's crippling. And that was her state in life. But as we, as we talked to her, here's what we heard. It's just, it's kind of foreign to some of us, right? She said this, I'm so happy for the life I have. Go like, I am so thankful for the opportunities that I have through this to share about Jesus with my friends. Now, for some of us, right, we, we, may, we might struggle with that thinking just, just a little bit. And that's, that's why we're talking about today. See, it was an invite that she goes like, I accept that. I accept that. In my, my life, it may or may not be that I would have chosen this, but I am thankful for it because it has given me the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. So let's go back to our Timothy passage here because there are two imperatives that Paul shares with Timothy, and they're, they're highlighted here. Number one, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me. It's kind of interesting, I think, that Paul would share that with his beloved. Don't, don't you be ashamed of me. If that thought ever comes into your mind, don't let it come in at all because it's a privilege, right? This is for the gospel's sake. But then he says this. Here's a second imperative, right? Share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So Timothy, don't be ashamed. Second imperative is this. Share in the gospel for the sake, for the, for the power of God. Now, I'm wondering how Timothy received that letter. Just think about it for a moment, right? So it's easy for us to, to read, and we do, and we go like, oh, yeah, that's what Paul said. Hey, no problem. Timothy willingly accepted that invitation. Willingly. And I, may, may, maybe he did, but he for sure said yes to this invitation. So I did a little research. You know how Timothy died? There's, there's some, some different thinking uh, about that in terms of, you know, where he spent the, the rest of his life. But according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, just let me share with you for just a moment what they write. As the pagans about Timothy's life, as the pagans um, were about to celebrate a feast called Catagon, Timothy, meeting the procession of people, severely reproved them for their ridiculous idolatry. In Timothy, you'll read, right, like there, 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 there are false preachers and this stuff is going on. Timothy, me the procession, severely reproved them for their ridiculous idolatry, which so exasperated the people that they fell upon him with their clubs and beat him in so dreadful of a manner, dreadful of a manner, that he expired of the bruises two days after. Do you think Timothy said yes to the opportunity, to the invitation? To suffer for God? I, I, I think so. So I want to talk about two questions this morning. And it's this. I want to kind of wrap our, our thoughts around. Well, number one, what does suffering look like in my life? Because for each of us, it's going to be different. So what does suffering look like in my life? What's it look like in your life? Online, what's it look like in your life? And number two, what role will I allow, will I allow suffering to play in my life? There is no doubt that according to Scripture, persecution, suffering for the gospel, is a reality 
of living the Christian life. It has come, and it has come to some of you. And it will come. We signed up for it when we became a follower of Jesus. Now, I think we all know, as we look around the world, that when we talk about suffering for being a Christian, um, we have it pretty good. Yes? Yes, we do. Um, so I get regular updates from our partners, our Indian partners, of what's taking place there. And um, pastors are being beaten, not just pastors, but churches are being broken into, Christian churches. Wives are being hauled off to prison. It's what's taking place with the people that you know and some of our own, own partners. We, we have it pretty good, but listen, we will suffer in some form or fashion as a follower of Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if I ask you this, do you desire to live a godly life? I, I would just assume that all of us are going to raise our hand. That's one of the reasons why you're here today, right? If you desire to live a godly life, all will be persecuted for that. As we walk in obedience to the Lord and his commands, those who strive to live a godly life, that's our purpose, that's our passion, will be persecuted. All of this during a time when the evilness of the world increases. Have you noticed that? That as believers, as followers of Jesus, as we seek to stand on a firm foundation, as we allow the Bible to lead us and guide us in all of our life, persecution will come. Followers of Jesus, that's you, that's me. And, and by the way, you may be a brand new follower of Jesus. This is you. You may be a follower of Jesus like for, I was going to say 100 years, but many, many years, this, this is you. Followers of Jesus expect and embrace suffering and persecution for the gospel because it aligns us with Christ regardless of our personal pain. Did you get that? I know you, followers of Jesus, we should expect it and we should embrace it. Suffering and persecution for the gospel because it aligns us with Christ regardless of our personal pain. Let's go to John chapter 15, verses 18 and 21. It, Jesus, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Good news for you. The world hates you. Know that it hated me first. When you desire to live a godly life, decide to walk in his wisdom ways, you will meet opposition. How we do so is important. If we do so is not an option of the follower of Jesus. How we walk this life out of suffering, however it comes, we're going to talk about some ways in a moment, is important. We do not have an option for a follower of Jesus committed to living out this gospel life. Now, I think the suffering comes in a variety of ways. First of all, it comes to a faith community like Gateway. And so the first question is this, how does suffering look like in my life? I want to kind of just nuance that for just a moment. How does suffering look 
in our church. I'm just going to talk about Gateway in our church and because we have our schools. How does it look like? What's it look like in our church and what's it look like in our schools as we, as we together as a faith community stand on God's word, live from, teach from as best we can a biblical worldview? What's it look like? As a faith community, as church and schools, I believe that we are seeing the, the coming days when financial persecution, financial suffering will be a part of our faith community. There are many others who believe that, and I believe it is true. We can see that now. This is an attempt to get you and me as a faith community to step away from the truth of the Scripture. We will not, and I pray that as a follower of Jesus, you will not. We, as a faith community, must not allow any form of suffering or persecution as a church or as individuals to chip away at the foundation of Scripture. I don't care how many protesters line up around our church. Actually, I see that as a good thing. Because you're just helping us tell the community what we're about. That's my view. We must not allow anything, any form of persecution against our faith community to chip away at the foundation of Scripture. In other words, it, it, as leaders and as people here committed, we can't find ourselves sliding this way just a little bit to avoid that. Are you with me? I hope so. So we can expect that. So what role will we allow suffering and persecution as a faith community? So what, what will we say yes, yes to? Well, suffering, and I, I linked it persecution, bring us together like nothing else, and together we align with Christ who is the head of the church. You cannot disconnect the head from the body. If you do that, you have a freak, yes? He's the head, we're the body. We, we, we learn about accountability to one another. We re resolve to love one another in greater ways. As suffering and persecution comes, regardless of what it looks like, we do not allow it to divide us in any form or fashion. That's the trick of the enemy. And, and part of what we talk about here as a pastoral team is how do we position all of us to face what I believe is coming. And I don't think, by the way, I don't know, I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, but I don't think those days are that far away. We don't allow it to divide us. All the time keeping our eyes on Jesus and the purpose that he has called us to, um, and that is to go into all of the world and make disciples. Here, there, and everywhere. And we live out that passion with purpose. Our enemy is not the person Jesus has called us to love and to reach. They're not our enemy. Paul states our enemy in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So there's our enemy. 
It's not the people that Jesus has called us to love and to reach in the world today. So I believe that we will face suffering and persecution as a faith community. I believe that as individual followers of Jesus, we will face suffering. Again, what's it look like? Suffering and persecution come in many, many different forms. Many of you have experienced this. Many of you are walking this journey right now. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, talks about those who have deserted him. It's a form of suffering. And many of you know what that's like. The pain is real. When you have friends and family turn away from you because of your faith, it's real. And some of you are walking that journey right now. But you turn to trust in Jesus and your commitment to live biblically. This is what suffering looks like for you. For some of you, and I know that this has happened, it impacts your job because you are not willing to do what you were just asked to do. You have said no to that because you know that that's wrong. Some of you are suffering Do the health, something you have no control over. It's a form, suffering that's come into your life. It's physical suffering. But here's what we remember as we walk this life out. Are you ready? Opposition of, of any kind, opposition embraced is an opportunity experienced. Now, I, I, I know that for some of us to think back to our, my friend Elaine, Jen and my friends Elaine, suffering physically in this kind of pain, That's an opportunity. Yes, it is. And I would love to tell you that I, my prayer is, God, bring physical suffering into my life. We, all, we, we pray and we should pray, God, release us from that because faith allows us to do that. And in faith, we ask for that and we do, but we also embrace whatever comes into our life. One of our partners in India, and I was over there visiting, talking about expanding their team. This is crazy. In fact, it's, it's just kind of been emblazoned in my mind. Um, but when they were talking about expanding, expanding their team and the invitation they were going to give to this particular team member to come on board, here's the one thing that was stated about this person over here. They suffered well. They suffered well. Because they suffered well, they are now able to be a part of this team over here. When we suffer for the gospel, we align with Christ and display the life of Christ for all to see, regardless of what our suffering looks like. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it com comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. Don't be surprised. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 
For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. How many are ready to pray God brings suffering into my life? How many of us are? Say, God, bring suffering into my life. Let my life be a testimony of who you are. Let my life align with you. We suffer for the gospel's sake. Thinking biblically about suffering means really two other things, and I'm just going to share them with you. It says, number one, we understand that suffering can come as a result of discipline. So my mother, um, she's with Jesus now. When I was growing up, um, mom was raising all of us alone, and most of you know, know my journey, my story. And but mom, um, about my high school years, she, she became a barber. And, and um, I, on the side of every barber's chair, at least during that time, do you know what hangs there? Yeah, the three foot long. It's a leather strap. Now, I, I, mom, I can remind you that the purpose of that strap is for your business. Not my business. <laughs> so mom, mom discovered that her reach could be extended like three more feet with that, with that razor strap, right? And so when she would discipline her kids, I'm telling you, I, I got that razor strap sometime. The discipline that she brought in my life was a bit of suffering for a young kid. We understand that suffering can come as a result of discipline. For some of us, maybe that's where we are today. I'm not talking about be on guard because if you stumble and if you make a mistake, the razor strap's going to come. I'm not talking about that. But I do believe that if we continually walk in disobedience, a loving father does what a loving father should. And that's discipline. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as a son. So sometimes the suffering that we may be experiencing may cause us to go, Lord, what is it you want to teach me right now? I have been in that spot. I'm not going to share this story this morning because I've shared it before where I believe that the Lord disciplined me in a particular area, to bring me back. I wasn't walking in, in sin, to the best of my ability, I didn't, I didn't think I was, but I, wasn't, I was not following the Lord in the way that I should in terms of my personal abiding time with Him. I would spend time with Jesus, but I gave the best part of my day to something else, to a hobby. And I believe the Lord brought discipline into my life to rearrange my priorities, which I have done many years ago. So that's a question to ask. Lord, is what I'm suffering right now a result of you disciplining me? Teach me. Number, number two, or really number three, the gospel discipline. We understand that innocent suffering is a part of life. Innocent suffering is a part of life. You did nothing wrong. 
but you were wronged. We suffer as a result of people's actions towards us, of which we had nothing to do with. We live in a broken and fallen world, and because of that, innocent people suffer. And many of you have been innocent in your suffering. Your business partner wrongs you. Your spouse walks out the door. Someone lies about you or slanders you at no fault of your own. And this is the time when our tendency to cry is, God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? And if you were to ask me, why did God allow this into my life? My answer would be deep and theological. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is sin is in the world. But here is what I do know. As we allow the circumstances of life to grow us and draw us closer to him, our light in the world will shine even brighter. As we allow these times of suffering, persecution, regardless how it comes in our life, as we allow that to draw us closer to him, allow us to grow us, our light in the world will shine brighter. Many of you have read the book, and some of us um, watched a movie called The Insanity of God. How many have read that book or seen the movie? Let me just see. Okay. I just ordered the book this morning. I've seen the movie, but I ordered the book, The Insanity of God. And it quickly asked the question, by interviewing missionaries, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? And Jen and I sat, and we, we were glued for um, nearly, I think, hour and, and 30 minutes or longer to this movie. And, I, you know, it takes something to keep my attention for that long. I'll just tell you that. I'm not a movie watcher, but we were glued as missionary after missionary after missionary responded to this question, is Jesus worth it? At great cost to them, do you know what their answer was? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And so that's the question I think that is before us today. Um, is Jesus worth it? Is he worth it to you? Whatever life brings your way, and you might be in that moment of suffering and persecution, I don't know. But I know that we have to think biblically about this because it comes to every believer in some form or fashion at various levels and in various ways. Is Jesus worth it? The answer is yes, he is. Let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to pray. Here's how I'm going to pray. God, um, maybe I need an adjustment in my thinking this morning. Maybe instead of crying out, Lord, why are you allowing this in my life? Why are you allowing this in my life? We're saying, God, would you just use what's in my life right now? In faith, we should, and I do. Pray God remove this. But I think greater than that prayer is God, use this. I embrace the opportunity to align with you today and allow your life to live through me. So Father, I would pray that for many of us today here, in person, online, many of us, God, perhaps we need to um, have a different thinking. We need to think biblically about the role of suffering and, and persecution. Some of us are there. 
Some of us will head off to work tomorrow and be persecuted for the stand that we take or we have taken. It might be a spouse. It might be a family member. It might be a friend. God, I would pray that as we walk out this life individually as a faith community, we will stand firm on your word. Answering the questions, Jesus worth it? The answer is yes, you are worth it. And so Father, as we, as we leave today, challenges by your word, I pray. For some of us, change our thinking. We embrace what you brought into our life as an opportunity. We pray in faith, but we embrace it as an opportunity to align with you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. To breathe the air of heaven, a pain is gone, and mercy fills the streets. To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. songs of faith we sang through doubt and fear and in the end we'll see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears there will be a day where all will bow before him Park. And on that day, we'll join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. And with one voice, a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 